This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with Like Days of Noah and Lot, The Persistent Widow, Pharisee and Tax Collector, Blessing the Children, and Rich Young Ruler. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider.
reading from Matthew chapter 9. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David! When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. O Lord, have mercy on us. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. Please pray a moment with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the early days of the ministry of Jesus in Galilee were exciting. He announced the kingdom of heavens had come. He preached, he taught, healed all manner of diseases. He was very different. He taught with authority. He forgave sins and cast out demons, even in the synagogue. The lame walked, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf heard and the dead are raised up. And now the blind would see and the mute speak. The people who had walked in the darkness, Galilee of the Gentiles, had seen a great light, and all these signs did their work. The blind men knew that the son of David when they saw him, and yet they couldn't see. Even we sometimes cannot miss the side point and that is that while the whole business of miracles was meant to identify Jesus as son of David, the Messiah, yet it tells us something about the character of Jesus and God the Father himself. God hates sickness and hates death, and he intends to do something about it. He made the world, after all, without illness perfect and whole, filled with all kinds of plants and life, all in harmony with each other and with man and woman in the garden, enjoying the gifts that God had given them and walking with him in the, uh, the evening cool of the night. And yet, Adam and Eve decided they knew better than God and decided to run their own lives, thank you, and into this world came sin, sorrow, grief, pain, illness, disaster, you name it, all those things we are quite familiar with to this very day. And this was not anything that God would allow to be hap happening. 
This simply would not do. He knew what the world would be like without sin and death and sorrow and pain. And because he loved us, he didn't take the world and wrap it up like uh, an old commercial on TV, uh, had the earth crumbled into a ball and tossed away in order for God to create Earth 2.0. Instead, he decided he would do something about it himself. And so he came, he suffered, and he died, the author of life, so that we might live again. And so that the day would come when we would be completely whole once more, when there would be no more sin or sorrow or grief or pain, because all those things will have passed away. Sin, you see, is a result of sin and a sign that we will die. It reminds us, in kind of a perverse way, from the moment that we are born, already our cells are dying. As we're born into the world and our parents take us into our hands, and the worry that approaches their face when first we cough, sin and illness enters the world and scares the living daylights out of us from that day on. Throughout this time, people decide that they really don't like living under the sentence of death, that everyone, including all of those that Jesus healed and rose from the dead, would die again. And that we too, short of the Lord returning during our lives, will also die. So we try to avoid it. We try to recover from suffering. We engage in all kinds of diets and fads. We follow whatever instructions the doctors give us, whether the doctors know what they're talking about or when sometimes, well, maybe they don't. We listen to the preachers on TV that tell, tell you, if you just believe strong enough and you claim it, you will be healthy because God wants you to be healthy. Now, they do have a point. God wants you to be healthy, but they're only telling you half the truth because what he really wants is for you to live with him forever. And sickness and sorrow and grief and pain has a way of reminding us that we need to cling to him so that we too might live. And so it is, even though we try to avoid these things, sometimes it will work for a while. And we might get healthier. We might learn to run a marathon. We might learn to be able to do all kinds of uh, athletic events, maybe even win a game that neither of the teams in Indiana seem to have managed to do. We might be able to take all of those things, and yet sooner or later, even the best quarterback has to retire, even if he doesn't know it, and even we have to retire because our strength will fade. The glory of going into the ministry is that day is a lot longer because you still can stand in the pulpit for quite a bit longer than retirement age. And yet, the day will come. We try to avoid it, but suffering has its way and will come to us, either to us or to those whom we love. 
We are attracted to promises of health and healing, but often they're really empty because really there's only one who can heal and only one healing that really matters. Jesus is the source of life and health and healing. And though he does bless us with doctors and nurses and technicians and with people who do have wise advice for living your life in a fruitful way, and husbands, even those being your wives, will sometimes tell you what you don't want to hear. Even though he uses these, he is really the source of life and health. He was born into a world, into the midst of this suffering, into the valley of the shadow of death. Shortly after he was born, people died around him already because he had been born. Throughout his life of grief and pain, he brought some end to some of it and some relief for, for a while through his miracles of healing and resurrection enough that people knew that the kingdom of heaven had come. But now he has brought an end to death and pain once and for all because he has gone to the cross and has died there, taking upon us our sins, our sufferings, our griefs, and our pain, and all of our sicknesses, and taking them upon himself, defeated them once and for all, and took him to his grave where they were buried forever and ever. And on the day that he rose with victory over death and the devil, the day that our victory over death and the devil was begun, united to him in baptism, all of our griefs and our death and our sins are paid for. And the day will surely come when we will be whole once more. In the meantime, he gives us the strength to walk this path, to suffer when times of suffering come, to embrace what it means to hold on to him only, for he is the only one who can endure that kind of a burden. And holding on to him and being with him, we can face the time when death does its worst and takes us and becomes, counter to its own desire, the gate to everlasting life. On that day, sin will be no more for us, and grief and pain will pass away. He will dry every tear in our eyes, and we will shine in his presence in the glory of the joy of the Father himself. And then on that final day, he will come and bring our bodies back from the dead, reunite us to him, to them once and for all, and transform us fit for eternity. These we can count on because they are most certainly true, and they will come sooner or later, either at the day of our death or the day of the death of death itself. Amen. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with us now and forever. Amen.
In our prayers, we remember our military chaplains, especially Raymond Ayers, Winston Grieser, Sol Groskopf, Theodore Hoham, Mark Moreno, Jamie Nava, Rose Engel, and Nathaniel Jensen. We also remember our military personnel, especially Alan Hosier, Casey Hosier, Abigail Perry, Michael Perry, Austin Brazi, Eric Dijak, and Nathaniel Dijak. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning, and though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your children and provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Lord God, you watch over all your people, protect and defend all who serve for their country, and strengthen those who serve them with your word and spirit, that they may glorify your strong name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Almighty and everlasting God, you safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Let us bless the Lord. The Lord Almighty bless us and direct our days and our deeds in his peace.